I said up front that we are continuing today our Recharge series. It is, uh, I think, just a really great practical series. Before we head back into the fall, it's crazy to me. We have, we have Corey and I, we have uh, school-age kids. So we're starting school back in like two and a half weeks or something crazy. That's ridiculous. But uh, we're headed back into the fall. So some of your homes that center around the school year um, are kind of locked in by some of those dates. You know that we're, we're starting a new routine again here in just a few weeks. And so we felt like a great way to end this summer would be with this recharge series, just to kind of recharge our focus and our priorities and our relationship and really our spirit as we, as we do head into the fall. And today we are continuing that. Uh, Pastor Mark started us off last week looking at our focus, the things that we focus on. So today we're looking at priorities. And again, next week we'll look at relationships and then finally the spirit. But I thought as I was studying for this, I, I ran across some pictures of things that I feel like show some things that where maybe the priorities have gotten a little out of balance. I thought we'd run through these quickly. The first one here is this family that's having their picture taken with a fireman as their home, I think, burns down behind them or a building of some kind. So their priorities here, not to let the firemen work on the fire, but hey, can you stop here and let's snap a picture, please? Uh, the next one was kind of interesting. This lady, I think, is updating her Facebook status, had a baby. Uh, while they're trying to present the new baby to her, I think her priorities are a little out of whack. This next one is my favorite because I are a dumb guy, and I'm thinking this guy is never going to live this down. He's sleeping in the tent protecting his bike from the weather while some female companion of his sleeps outside of the tent. I can only imagine the conversation on the way home. I mean, I've never had one of those conversations, but I'm sure it was interesting. So today we're talking about priorities. We're talking about when things get a little bit out of balance. They get a little bit out of order. Things that should be most important sometimes aren't the things that are most important in our lives because exactly what we just prayed. When we, when we take the words to a song or we take the words or, or, or something that we create, a, a list of things, hey, this is what I'm going to focus on. And then living those things out, sometimes those don't really balance out. I don't know if you're like me at all. You're probably not. Um, But I know, speaking of start of new school year, I know, man, when the school year started, I was going to be the most organized student of the year. Like I'm getting school supplies, like I'm making straight A's, 4.0, acing every test, turning in every homework assignment. I see some people giggling. But like I was like, yeah, I definitely need the binder with the like tabs because I'm going to use those this year. And I never did. Like first day of school, I'm like, I'm going to make a C. I mean, like. It's just, but like my priorities before school started, I'm like, hey, I'm going to study every night. I'm going to read a little bit of the textbook like they're telling me to do and not try to cram like right before the test. But then living that out every day, then like the daily routine, the daily schedule sometimes was difficult to connect the dots to that because then other things wanted my attention. I remember when I was in college, I was in a really pivotal semester. I'm telling on myself here, please don't think worse of me than you already do. But uh, it was a pivotal semester. I really needed a good grade. But the problem was that semester, there was a brand new football game that came out for Sega Dreamcast. And so in the dorm, we started a Sega Dreamcast football tournament that lasted, I don't know, anywhere in the neighborhood of seven or eight weeks continuing 
uh, and I missed a lot of class time, which implies that I did fairly well in the tournament, but um, I don't think you can apply financial aid to that. So I struggled a little bit that semester because my priorities got a little out of whack. You know, what I started out to say, hey, I want to make a good grade in this. And then I was like, hey, I want to win the championship. And those things just didn't connect very well. So today we're talking about priorities. So that's a terrible example because I, at some point in my life, was a terrible person. But um, maybe in your life, as you look at it, you see that there are some things that you have set out to do. Maybe it's, maybe it's in your schedule. Maybe it's in your time, the way you spend your time. And maybe once you made that list, hey, you know, New Year's resolution a couple months back, anybody still keeping theirs? Anybody doing really well? Nobody? Great. All right. We're all in the same boat. That's awesome. Um, But, you know, the idea that we set out at some point, the beginning of a year, the beginning of a month, and a beginning of a school year, something, and we say, hey, here's my priority. This is what I'm going to do. This is what's going to get the most time from me. This is what I'm always going to do first. Anybody ever just had like a a spiritual awakening, you went to a camp or a retreat or just a Sunday service or just God did something on your way to work one day in the car and you just decided, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get up every morning, first thing and read the Bible. I mean, every single day. And that first morning, the alarm goes off and you're like, what am, what am I up early for? And then you, you get up and, and you're, you're trying to keep your eyes open and you're flipping through and you're reading. And then the second morning you hit snooze. The third morning, you don't even set the alarm right? Because the priority that you said you were going to kind of fulfill eventually gets lost in the daily routines of our lives. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about priorities because there are, in every area of our life, this idea really kind of affects us. We're going to turn to the book of Luke chapter 12 if you've got a Bible. I'm going to read one verse here out of Luke chapter 12 to really set us Um, on on track for where we're headed with the rest of our time. But in Luke chapter 12, we see a lot of teaching from Jesus here to a a crowd of people. And again, one verse we're just going to pull out for for the rest of our time today. We'll come back to another scripture in a little while. But this is what it says in Luke 12, verse 34. It says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want to read that one more time. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, this word treasure is an interesting word. It doesn't just imply like gold coins here. We're not just talking about, hey, I've got a loot somewhere that I've hidden that I'm going to go back and find later. This word treasure in the original language, and I'm not a Greek scholar. If, you, if you've been with us very long, you know that. Um, but it's, it's a word here, and I think it's going to be up on the screen, that implies uh, the place in which good or precious things are collected or laid up a casket, a coffer, or other receptacle in which your valuables are kept, a treasury, a storehouse. So it's not just the things that are a treasure, but it's the treasure place. It's where you put those things. The second thing that it could be is the things laid up in a treasury or collected treasure. So it's something that you're storing up, you're keeping together, you're making a priority. This is something that's set apart for me. So literally what we're talking about here is wherever you are storing up stuff, wherever you're putting things, wherever your attention is, that's where your heart is. So I want you to think about that for a second. Take it outside of money. We'll talk about money in a moment, but where are you allocating time and energy and resources? Where are you putting the most precious of your energies and time and things? That's where your heart's at. 
Now, for some of us, that may be a little uncomfortable to think about because we'd like to go backwards and we'd like to say, hey, where is my heart? My heart's Jesus and my family and then my job, whatever, in that order. But really, when I start looking at the way I spend my time or the way I spend my money or the things that get my best energy or best attention, I realize that maybe it's not that. Maybe it's not so much the priorities that I would lay out in this order. And see, some of us, we store up, we store up job-related accolades. I mean, we are pursuing with all of our best efforts the, the next, you know, uh, forward movement in the company. We're looking for a raise. We're looking for a promotion. We're looking for the, you know, the plaque. We want to go to the dinner and get our name called out. We want it in the program. We want it put on the website. We want our poster in the lobby of the building. We're, we're pursuing that. And I'm not talking about not trying to pursue excellence in that area. But some of us, our best energy, best efforts, best attention is towards those things. No matter what your industry or company is. For some of us, we're storing up memories. You know, we're, we're going to the trips. We're taking the, you know, we're going anywhere we can go. We're snapping some pictures because we want to always be able to tell the story of the time we went to fill in the blank. Our best energy is trying to create moments that last, last a lifetime for our children. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. So we're trying to pursue those memory-making moments for our kids and for our family, for our marriage, for our husband, our wife, for our best friends. We want to take them to the place so that they tell everybody about it because we get excited about that. We're storing that. That's getting our best energy, our best efforts to try to unearth those things. For some of us, we're storing up literally money and funds and resources and financial things. We're saving them for a rainy day. Again, not a bad thing, not a negative thing, but our best money and best effort is being spent Elsewhere, It's going towards something else. It's not something maybe tangible, but we're looking and holding and putting it somewhere else. And so what I kind of wrote down here is that not all of these things are bad. And this part's going to be on the screen. But when you say yes to one thing, you are saying no to something else. Think about that. When you say yes to one thing, you have to be saying no to something else. Because we have a finite amount of time. It's, it's not, it doesn't just run forever as it relates to us on this earth. Our time is limited. So our time in a week is limited to the hours in a week. Our money is finite. There is a limit to the funds and the money that most of us have. And if, if you say, no, there's not, I want to talk to you after church when we get done here. But no matter how much money you ever make, there is an end to that amount of money. And so if you say yes to spending your money over here, you're saying no to spending those same dollars over here. If you say yes to spending your time over here in this endeavor and chasing and pursuing these things, then you are saying no to something else over here. So let me give you a real practical example in my life. Okay? Look at me. My physique here, I'm not a marathon runner. Okay? I know this. Every year, I'm going to lose weight. That's my New Year's resolution. Uh, about every three or four months, I decide, hey, it's time to start eating healthy again. But when it gets down to living that out every day, I love food. Okay? It's just, that's just where it's at. I, I'm not, I, I don't claim to be just ginormous. I've gone through stages. But I just love food. So it's hard for me to make a very practical decision when I pass Burger King on Wednesdays. They have Whoppers, two for one, two, buy one, get one free. Now, I don't know that I'm going to eat them both for lunch, 
but I got to eat supper. So I'm going to stop in now. Healthy would say subway. I can see the subway sign. Jared is a rail of a man compared to what he started as. Burger King's buy one, get one free. I'm probably stopping at Burger King. My priority, my list, my thing I said is eat better. There's something about the smell of that Burger King when I drive by. And I don't know why I roll my windows down when I see a Burger King coming. I don't know why the char grill. I mean, it's just heavenly, right? I think, hey, for breakfast, I am going to eat a banana. Not a banana fan, but I hear they're good for you. I'm going to eat a banana. I eat a banana. I'm still hungry. I pass Bojangles on the way to work. I believe there is a corner of heaven where there is a chicken filet biscuit from Bojangles. I, I, I just Maybe it's not. Maybe heaven doesn't look like that for you. But in my head, my priorities don't connect. I say yes to Bojangles. I say no to trimming down my pants size. Right? I say yes to one thing. I have to say no to another. Let's look at another here. I say, hey, I'm going to do better with money. I just explained why some of my money seems to vanish. Um, we're not going to eat out as much. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to spend just crazy money. We're going to, you know, we're going to budget. We're going to do these things. But when my wife looks at the checkbook, she's like, Bojangles three times this week. Really? Seriously? Because my priorities, I'm a little out of whack. I say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to work out. I'm going to, you know, paint the house or do something. I'm going to finish the honeydew list. But the Braves are on tonight. That's only going to happen 161 other times this year. (laughs) And I don't want to miss out in case this is a big one. My priorities in an... I'm saying yes to the Braves and no to the painting project. You understand what I'm saying? In my family model here, we have four kids. And I can say yes to... One of them, but sometimes that means saying no to another. If I say yes to throw baseball with Cooper, it might mean not helping Corey with Kinley. Or, or, or worse than that, maybe sometimes when I don't have to be, but I stay late at work to finish up a few other things, I am saying yes to that and no to time at home with my family. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I think that most of us have an understanding of what this might look like in an everyday context. That we sometimes say yes to some things. And whether we do it consciously or not, we realize now that maybe we have said no to some other things in our lives. And I've used the example a couple of times already, but the number one place I believe that we fail to manage our priorities is in our money. Our time's a big one. We'll come back to that in a minute. But I want to spend a few minutes talking about our money. Now, I realize I am probably verifying every stereotype about a preacher. Because we're going to talk about money in church. And some of you are uncomfortable with that. And that's okay. Just tune me out for a few minutes. We'll be back. But I want to talk about money for a minute. And look at some ways that we can help our money match what we say we want our money to look like. I am not a financial expert. I'm not Dave Ramsey or anybody that's really great that way. I want us to talk about money a little bit and look at how we might can match that money up with the priorities that we have. And to do that, I've asked my son Branson to help me 
a little bit with this idea of money. We're going to show a video here in just a second. If we need to change my mic, we can do this while the video is going. But Branson's going to help us here. We shot this video the other day. And uh, this is our five-year-old son, Branson. So let's roll the, uh, roll the video. Hi, my name is Branson Isaacs. I'm Pastor Jeremy son. I want to teach you what I'm learning about money. I do things around the house and I get one dollar. One dollar is ten dimes. I give one to God. I save the other one to get a big dinosaur. And I spend the eight. It's simple. You can do it too. I give the first one to God. I save the one. And I spend the eight. It's simple. It's easier than managing the portfolio in this tough economy. Good luck, Mel Planner. is five, and uh, he has a mom and dad that like to take a lot of pictures and video. We have our phones, iPhones, whatever, so we're snapping pictures all the time. And anytime we take a picture, this tells you how jaded he already is at five. Anytime we take a picture, he says, don't put that on the internet. Because <laughs> we put stuff on the internet so his you know, grandparents can see and aunts and uncles. But he shot this video the other day, and I showed it to him yesterday, and I could tell he was proud of it. He goes, you going to put that on the internet? <laughs> I said, probably. He goes, all right. Again, I don't claim to be a financial expert, but let's talk about this for a minute. This idea, and this is not new to me. You've probably heard this. If you've taken any kind of financial planning classes, a Dave Ramsey class, Financial Peace, Crown Resources, they have a lot of things that deal with some of these ideas. This is just one model, and I would say this is probably a kind of a basic budgeting idea. This is very crude numbers, but it does help us to look at how to prioritize our money, which I think is very important. And I realize that some of you watching that right there, When you look at that, you do one of two things. You go, yeah, that makes sense, but that's not practical for us. Or two, yeah, that makes sense, but I don't believe that 10% should have to go to God. Where's that at? That's Old Testament. We're going to talk about that in a second. So just hang on. Um, And the third thing you might be is, yeah, I'm not even sure how to make that. I'm not even sure how to get there. Like that, that's great. And I've talked about budgeting before. And me and my wife or my husband or me as a single individual, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. But I don't even know how we get there. So let's talk about this a little bit. Let's start by looking at the idea of what what our money really does. I I found a couple quotes here. John Wesley said, make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. That's a pretty good motto to live by. This is another one. This is kind of an unknown. We don't know who said this. I looked it up, could not find it. But it says this, true wealth is not measured by what you have, rather by what you give. So if we're, if we're looking at the idea here of just 10, 10, 80, 10% to God, 10% we say we live on the 80%. Let's look at this first, this idea of 10% to God. Now, the first time that we see in scripture and the 10%, if you're not, uh, if you haven't really been around the church a lot, the 10% is called a tithe. And we, we teach this in the church. We teach about tithes and offerings. And the tithe is, is the first part of that that we talk about. And it goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. The first place that we see the tithe practiced is by a man that maybe, maybe you know about, Abraham. At this point, he's still called Abram. It's before his name change here. This is in Genesis 14. It's going to be on the screen. It says this, And praise be to God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. 
We come to the end here of a, of a passage dealing with that story. And it says, Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. He gave him a tenth of everything. This is the first place that we see that a tithe, a tenth, was given. Now you say, well, that's Old Testament. And some people may say that. You might have heard another passage in Malachi that talks about robbing God. You see a bunch of things in the Levitical law, in the book of Leviticus, and even in Deuteronomy that talks about giving the tithe. And so we, we have people all the time that say, well, that's an Old Testament idea. That's an Old Testament covenant. Jesus came. He abolished the law, which is not actually what he said. And, and, and so now we live under the new covenant. So I don't really have to live with that. Look at Matthew chapter 23 verse 23 jesus is talking here says woe to you teachers of the law and pharisees you hypocrites you give a tenth of your spices mint dill and cumin but you have neglected the more important matters of the law justice mercy and faithfulness listen to what jesus said you should have practiced the latter the idea here of the law justice mercy and faithfulness. you should have practiced that without neglecting the former with, you should have done the new things of mercy and law and forgiveness here. You should have done those things without neglecting the idea of the tenth here that you gave of your spices. Now, the, the word tenth that's used there is very specifically referencing a passage in Leviticus chapter 27. Leviticus 27 and 30 says this, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. And there is a larger part of that passage. There's three or four other verses that talk about this tithe that you give to the Lord being this tenth, this tithe from the land. So the things that you do, the things that you produce with your hands, the resources that you accumulate with, with your work, with your efforts, you give a tithe, you give a tenth back to the Lord. And Jesus says to the, to the, prophet, to the Pharisees here, he says, listen, you should do these new things, but you should not neglect the idea of the, of the tithe. And this is not about, it's not about money. I hope you would understand that. It's not about money. It's about your relationship with God. It's about, a, it's a trust issue between you and God. Why? Because when Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with what? With a tenth? No, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. It really is the idea that if you're entering into a relationship with Jesus, that Jesus wants everything that you are. Everything that you, all of who you are, everything that you produce with your life should be what we sang about. Should be centered on Jesus. It should be for Jesus. So the idea here that this tithe, this tenth, is all that's asked for, really is the idea that, that God is allowing us to live on Exactly what he did through the story of the children of Israel in the Old Testament. He's allowing us to live on the 80% or more than 90% of all the spoils of what we can accumulate with our hands. So the idea being here that if we give 10% to God, it is a trust issue in my opinion. Corey and I have seen this in our lives, and our marriage. It's a trust issue. It's the idea that we're saying to God, okay, God, listen, we're, we've got a lot of expenses. We've got a lot of bills. We've got a lot of things going on, a lot of things we, that, that cost money. But we are trusting you with the first part of everything that you've entrusted to us financially. And we're going to give to you a tenth of everything that we have. Everything that comes in, we're giving a tenth to you. And then we're going to do the, with the 90% something else. Now, the 10% to save... Some of you may say, hey, that's, that's way too much. That's not enough. I've always found it's not enough. Every time I get money in savings, something breaks. It's just the way it works in our family. But I mean, if you, if you put 
money to God, you're trust, you're entrusting to God. You're saying, God, it's, it's yours. I'm giving it to you just as a blessing back to you. And thanks for what you've blessed me with. And then I'm going to be a good steward of the resources that you've given to me. So I'm not going to live on all that's left or even more than's left. I'm going to say, okay, I've got this left over. And now I'm going to try to be a good steward of that. I'm going to try to create some margin in my money. And so I'm going to put some away. I'm going to save for whatever. I'm save for retirement, save for my air conditioner breaking down or my car breaking down or whatever. And then I'm going to take the rest of that and then allocate that to the other things that I have in my life. And I wrote this down again just so I wouldn't forget it. It says, this keeps you, keeps me from feeling like we control this part of our lives. Because in a relationship with God, we, if we ever get to the place where we feel like we've got control of this little area, that's dangerous. We say, let's take money out of the equation if money makes you uncomfortable. Just say it's, you know, my work over here or, or, or my hobby. This one little thing I do that nobody knows about or that it's not really important. God doesn't care about this one thing. I'm going to hang on to this part. That's a dangerous place to be. And so in my money, if we come back to that idea, we understand that if I say, hey, it's all mine. We're doing a couple things. We're saying with our actions, hey, all this that I can acquire, I'm, I'm doing on my own, own. I'm pulling it over here and I want to hang on to it. And it doesn't depend on God, require God in any way. It's just, it's me and it's about my efforts. But what, what we're saying is here, right off the top, I'm going to give it back to God and say, God, it's yours. Just like we did with the, the child earlier. We're saying, God, this child is yours. We dedicate him back to you. We give him to you to say, hey, whatever we can do to model for him, to live in ways that honor you in front of him and ultimately to release him into your care and keeping so that he can pursue you with all of his heart as well. So we say that. So we say this keeps us from feeling like we control our money. So you honor God first, which is a trust issue. And then you put some away, you live on the rest and you create margin. And some of us, and this is way beyond just money, this is also in time and energy and resources and all that. Some of us are so stressed out right now because we have no margin in our lives. I mean, we say, and I'm guilty of this a lot of times, if we have an 11 o'clock meeting and it takes 10 minutes to get there, we're going to try to start walking out the door at 10.50. And then we hit a red light and somebody got pulled over and now everybody's rubbernecking and now we're two minutes late or three minutes late and we're ramming into the parking lot. Don't hit your spouse. I saw a couple of you do that. Don't do that. We're slamming into the parking lot. We're trying to pull in. We, I mean, there's no margin at all. And so we stay stressed and we're, we're rushing. We're rushing home. We're trying to do everything we can to get to bed so that we can get up the next day. And we have no margin. Every hour, every moment is spent. And my question to you is, is, is that the way God designed it? No. There's a whole Sabbath idea of resting There's a moment here where we're supposed to pause and create margin and prepare for what's next and reflect on what's what's been. There's no margin in our time and there's no margin in some of our money. When we look at our budgets, we see that every penny that comes in is going back out or more sometimes. And this is not necessarily dependent on what you make. And I'm not talking about this only works if you make a certain amount way up here. I'm talking about this idea that says, listen, No matter what it is, I am going to honor God. I love the fact that when I was in student ministry, some of you do this here, but I was in student ministry and we had high school students that had, you know, like just little mowing the grass jobs and they would bring their tithe of $2 to our Wednesday night service. 
$5. Why? Because someone was teaching them. This is an important principle that you need to know now. I want my five-year-old to know this. I want my seven-year-old, my three-year-old, my one-year-old. As they grow, I want them to see us modeling this, but I also want them to see that this is an important part of the way that they live. Not about just giving 10% to God, but also putting 10% away or more so that I create margin in my life that kind of helps me deal with the stress and the unexpected things that may come. This model prioritizes God and it prioritizes good stewardship. So very quickly, let's look at this. This is the last part of talking about money if this part makes you uncomfortable. If you give that 10% to God through a local church, we'll just talk about our local church for a moment. Let's talk about what that looks like. For our local church, there's primarily two ways to give. There's a tithe envelope. When you walk in, you get this with your worship guide because we don't have like pews. Some churches have pews. They stuff that in there and you can pick it up or whatever. And so what you do is you can take that money. You can throw something in the offering if you want to. The buckets that pass by, you throw it in there. You don't have to use this if you want to. But if you want tax credit for it, if you want to keep records of what you're giving, you can put it in the envelope. None of the people here, they, they don't know what you're giving, whatever. It goes through our central offices in Marietta. It goes through all that. But you just, you fill this out. You utilize this. It shows you how the money is spent. Church ministries, tithe, building capital fund, missions, other. You can designate money towards certain things of the, at the church. So that's one way that you can do that when the buckets go by at the end of the day. I want to show you another way. This is relatively new. This is how you can give online. This is our website, mpncanton.com. This is the way that I give because I don't carry any cash and I haven't written a check since like 04. So this is mpncanton.com. And so I go online. This is the website and this screen changes four or five times depending on what's coming up. And right down here it says give online. I click on that. I click give online and it goes to another screen. And if you already have an account, you just enter your information up here and sign in. If you don't, right here, you create an account. It's very easy. It's secure. There's no issues, no problems. I click next and it comes up. Here's my information to verify that. This is set up for me to give one time or I can go over here and click scheduled giving and choose like every two weeks when I get paid. It's just going to deduct that right out of my checking account. Very safe, very secure. Or you can give one time. And then when I click next on that previous screen, it's tithe, church ministries, or missions. Shows me how those funds are utilized. I put that money in. It shows it here. I click next. And then it gives me a receipt of what I've gotten. It emails me a receipt. It shows it here. And it's instantaneous. It it comes out of my checking account immediately. Now, I'm not showing this because there's money problems and you all need to do this today. But if you want to, that's totally fine. That's not what I'm showing you here. I'm saying if you're looking for a practical way to make the 10% to God work and you're trying to figure out how that works in the local church, when you give to Mount Perry North, I can't speak for any other church. Sorry, the microphone's messing up. That's my fault. Nobody else's but mine. You give to Mount Perry North. Let me give you a couple of key principles here that we believe are foundational for Mount Perry North. And what helps us as a campus here, I had this conversation via email with a guy this week. What helps us with the campus here is that Our policies and procedures and financial backing is not just limited to to us. We're part of a larger organization, Mount Perrin North Church of God. Down in Marietta is our other campus. uh, 18 or 1,900 in weekly attendance, 3,500 or 4,000 members, whatever. And and so there's a, a wealth of knowledge, no pun intended, wealth of knowledge we can lean into there as it relates to the financial backing and the resources there. Here's a couple of guiding principles for Mount Perrin North. Every dollar that you give, every cent that you give is accounted for, not just internally, but it is externally audited every single month. There's a company that comes in and audits every single penny, income and expense. So it's and anything raises a red flag. It's dealt with immediately. At the end of the year, there's also a yearly audit done from an external third party organization. 
We also believe in no long-term debt. So Mount Perrin North doesn't borrow money long-term. They're debt-free. We are debt-free right now. There's no, we don't owe any money on anything. And so we believe in no long-term debt. The process when you give is to meet the ministry budget needs that we have set aside. Hey, what's it going to take to do ministry this year in the various ministries of our church? And when you give, that's what that money goes to. If you give to designated amounts, other amounts, then you're saying, I want this specifically spent on this. You could say, hey, I'm giving $100, and I want you to buy paper clips with that. And we're bound by law to buy $100 worth of paper clips. Now, if you do that, you have that kind of sense of humor. There's some of you in the room that would do that today, and I can't believe I just said that, but here's the deal. We're bound by law to do that, to spend that money in the way that you have designated that. And so we, we believe in being good stewards of God's resources. When I pray before we take up the offering, I say, God, bless those who are giving today and bless the gifts that are given. Give us wisdom and discernment to know how to expand your kingdom. We don't believe that you're just giving money. We believe you're investing into the kingdom of God and we want to be good stewards of those resources. And so that's what, what it looks like in our context. So let's come outside of money for, for the last part here. Let's just look at this. There was a guy in the Gospels who came to Jesus. And he said, Master, good teacher in some translations, what do I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, hey, so simple. Don't kill anybody. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. I mean, he just kind of lays it out. Here is the law. And the guy says, great, I've done all those things. Jesus says, awesome. This is totally my translation, okay? Jesus says, awesome. He says, all right, you got one more thing to do then. Go and sell everything that you have and give to the poor. And the Bible, one of the saddest verses of Scripture, the Bible says that the man walked away sad because he had great wealth. And then there's this passage about how hard it is for the wealthy to get into the kingdom of heaven. And I don't believe in any way that this teaches that if you have money, you can't follow God or you can't go to heaven. This is not about that man's wealth. I have said for a long time, and this is totally my opinion, it is not in scripture, but I believe that if the man would have walked away, sold everything that he had, gave it to the poor, and come back to Jesus to follow him, Jesus might have been standing there with an envelope with all of his money in it wasn't about the money. Jesus was asking him to do, do something to illuminate his priorities. And maybe for you, you're not a person of great wealth that would walk away sad. And maybe if Jesus said that to you today, you would say, okay, take me 10 minutes. I'll be right back. Maybe Jesus would say to you, okay, You've done all those things great. Now go spend 10 less hours a week working overtime and spend it with your family. Some of you would walk away sad because you were a person of great career pursuits. What if Jesus said to you, okay, great, awesome, way to keep all the law. Now read your Bible more. What if Jesus said to me, quit eating Burger King? 
You know what it is? It's Jesus constantly pushing us and pulling into those places of our heart where we think we've got him figured out. And him saying, okay, but there's still this one area where I'm not first. There's still this one spot in your life where I'm not most important. And that area is a priority that exceeds me that I want you to deal with. I believe the moment that we get comfortable in a relationship with God and we are convinced we've got him figured out. He just asks us to do one more little thing. One more little tweak. One more step in his direction. And sometimes that is the most difficult thing to do. But when we get there, we go, "Ah, I did it. I got from 100% budget down to 80% of me spending it. I'm giving 10% to God and 10% to savings. And we just kind of look to God and we say, hey, I did it all. And he's like, okay. Now above that, I want you to. We're like, what? I I just got here. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength. God does not want or need your 10%. He wants everything you are. He wants every single second of your time. He wants every single penny you earn. He wants every single bit of your energy. Early in our marriage, I thought I was doing pretty good. I was trying to balance ministry and this new growing family. And I felt like, man, if I leave at a certain time and I I get home and we do dinner and we hang out and we watch TV and we do whatever. And then, you know, we do date nights periodically. Like, that's enough. And and one day Corey said to me, and, and she was, it was very sweet and tender and precious and very convicting to me. She said to me, yeah, you're home. But we're not getting your best time. Like when you get here, you've already spent all that you are there. Totally my paraphrase. She may have said something completely different. This is the way I heard it in my ears. And I thought, yeah, you're right. Because I'm maxed out. There's no margin. I'm just rushing here to get here to check it off the list when this should be priority. And so today, let's go back to Luke 12, 34 as we conclude. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's what it said, right? It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And it's, it's easy for us to look and say, well, here's where I put my time and energy, so that's where my heart's at. And that's kind of convicting. We don't know how to get there. So let's just wipe the slate clean. And let's start over and let's say, okay, if you could start today, where do you want your heart to be? I mean, what should your priorities be in life? If you could start today and nobody was demanding any time from you, nobody was demanding money, your bills weren't even on the table yet, where do you want your money to go? Where do you want your best energy and resources to go? All right, and that's your list of priorities. Now let's go back and let's figure out how to fit your life into that structure so that you honor the priorities that you're saying. 
I'm going to ask the band to come up. I told him to wait, but I'm going to ask him to come up. I, my grandfather on my mom's side, good man of God, loved God all of his heart, all of his life. He had a diseased heart. He had his first open heart surgery three days after I was born. He had another open heart surgery when I was 13. Ended up passing away shortly thereafter. When he went back for his first open heart surgery, he was 40 years old. He was lying on the table. They're about to take him back. And my dad was standing there. His son-in-law. He's got a daughter and two sons. But my dad happened to be standing there because of the schedule. They're about to take him back. And so he looks at my dad and he says, Bill, he says, you know, when you're laying right here, all the things that you thought were important aren't. Everything that you were chasing and pursuing, it just seems frivolous now. He was a pastor and really successful pastor. He says, you know, if you get to this moment, you realize that it is God, family, church. He said, I'm afraid sometimes in my life I've kind of gotten those things out of order. And now I'm in the same place. I'm looking at my life and I'm saying, okay, not just church pursuing God, but also church as, as a ministry, as a, as a job, as a calling, as a vocation. Is it God, family, church for me? Sometimes is it family, church, God? Is it God, hobbies and free time, family, What does it look like for you? If you could wipe the slate clean, you walk out of here today. What do you want your priorities to be? And then how can you go about putting your time and your treasures into those priorities in ways that honor God and those that God has given to you? I want to pray. And I want you to do something as I pray. As you sit there, I'm not saying do it loud enough for your neighbor to hear. But I want you to call out maybe some priorities in your life. Maybe it's God, family, job. Maybe it's God, family, service. Maybe it's whatever. Maybe maybe you're not sure God's first right now. Commit to him. Tell him. I want to make you first. Maybe you're sitting next to some family members and you know... You've neglected that part of your priority list. Maybe this season or maybe for a long time. Maybe on the way home today. Maybe during this prayer, you just reach over and squeeze their hand. You say, I'm in. I'm committed. You're important enough. I'm going to pray, but I, I want this to be something that we do together. It's interactive. I want you to talk to God and commit yourself. God, we love you today. And I know that we spent a lot of time talking about money, and I don't apologize for that. Your word talks about money a lot. But I know that makes people uncomfortable. Today was not a sales pitch. It wasn't asking people to give. It wasn't to try to compel them to do that. Your word says that they shouldn't give because they're kind of forced to. They should give as a cheerful, joyful giver. So today's not me doing anything other than presenting what I believe your word is saying to us. That our heart is most reflected in the way that we spend our time and our money and our energy. 
And so I know we're pulled in a lot of directions, and I'm not saying to neglect our jobs. I'm not saying to neglect fun hobbies and activities. I'm not saying to neglect things. I'm saying, though, where do those things stack up? If I have to say no to something in order to say yes to that, what am I saying no to? What am I choosing with my actions, with my words? So today, Father, for every person in this room, I pray that we would be drawn to you first with all of our heart and all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, everything that we are, that our lives reflect that kind of obedience to you. And the God, next, we look to those around us that you have given to us to live in relationship and community with. We would honor those relationships and then the other pieces fall in line beyond that. I thank you for your word. I thank you for its ability to convict and challenge us. And God, before I pray these things for anybody else in the room, I pray them for myself. That I would live out the words that I'm saying today. That I honor you with my life. That I love and honor and cherish my wife and my children. And that God, then the things that I put my hands to honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I hope today.